So today we're going to look at this reading, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. So uh, whoever's on the uh, PowerPoint, um, that should be fun. Um, uh, so, w- w- and we're going to ask basically a simple question <clears throat> today, okay? So the question's this: What is faith? So, I mean, that's a pretty simple question. And if you are new to uh, Christians, new to hanging around churches, things like that, one of the things you need to know, and maybe you've noticed this, is that Christians talk about faith an awful lot. You've noticed that? So one of the things we often say in church land, in Christian land, is that salvation uh, is by faith alone, or justification is by faith alone. And one of the things we mean by that is that all the really wonderful things about belonging to God, and all the really wonderful things about being a Christian, all the really good stuff comes to us um, through faith. So that like faith is like the doorway that lets all the wonderful things that God wants to give us come to us. And one of the things that that means is if you got faith, real faith, then, then, then all the truckload of wonderful blessings uh, that God wants to give us comes into us. But if you don't have real faith, if I don't have real faith, then I'm really kind of cut off from all the wonderful things that God wants to give me. So it's a really important thing, faith. But here's the problem, or at least here's part of the problem. Part of the problem is that as important as faith is, even for some of us who hang out in church a lot, sometimes we're not very clear on what it is we actually mean by the word. So a lot of people, even people who have been in church for a long time, have a kind of hazy idea, kind of, yeah, I kind of know what faith is. I kind of know it when I see it, or maybe I know it when I feel it but it's kind of hard to pinpoint what it actually means. And once again, part of the issue is that when people use the word faith, sometimes they mean different things. You ever notice that? So for instance, sometimes when people have faith, what they mean is um, that I believe in myself, right? So some, I got faith in myself. You ever, you ever heard people say this? You ever say this yourself? I got faith in myself. Um, I don't depend on anybody. I don't need anybody because the stuff I've got, I've got on my own. I believe in myself. I have faith in myself. Yeah? You heard of that? Well, that's one idea of faith. And then sometimes you'll hear somebody else say um, uh, that, that what I mean by faith is that I have faith in the universe. Or I have faith in a kind of vague idea of something that might be called God or a higher power or whatever the case may be, but it's a little fuzzy. I have faith in in something that's not me, but I don't exactly know what that is. You ever seen that? You ever felt that? And then yet again, for other people, to have faith means just to kind of believe things that that may not be true, kind of to be gullible, to be easily taken in. So you got all these ideas about faith, and that's part of the reason a lot of us are confused about it. So the question for today is, what does the Bible have to say about faith? What is Jesus' definition of faith? Because that's the kind of faith that I want to be a part of. Amen? All right. Now, this story is going to be really helpful, because here's what happens. In this story, Jesus orchestrates all these events around this lake and the storm and all that stuff, 
in order to force his disciples to come up against their phony ideas of faith, and that at the end, they come out beginning to taste the real thing. Okay, so, will you come with me into this story and ask Jesus to do the same thing in us today? Okay? All right, that's the plan. Here's the beginning of the story. We can go to the very beginning of the story on the PowerPoint. The scene opens up, and we're right in the middle of, we're actually, we're at the end of a big day for Jesus. So if you read the stuff, the uh, stories that come just before this, you can see that Jesus has had a very big and stressful day. Uh, So he's been, I don't know if Jesus experienced stress in the same way we do, but I think he did. He had a lot to do. He was feeding 5,000 people with a miracle. He was healing people all day long. He was teaching people all day long. The day before this happened, uh, he had found out that his cousin had been killed by a guy called Herod. And so at the end of this day, Jesus needs some alone time. He needs to pray. He needs to be with his Father in heaven. He needs to grieve as well. And so what he does is he tells his disciples, all right, um, I want you to take the red-eye boat across the lake. In the middle of the night, I want you to sail across to the, the other side of the lake, big lake called the Sea of Galilee. Not quite a sea, but a real big lake. Go across in the middle of the night while Jesus spends some time up on a mountain praying. And that's when the crazy starts. Because the boat is sailing across in the middle of the night. Like I said, it's like a red eye. And all of a sudden, a storm comes on them. Anybody here remember uh, Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, well, you can picture that. Now, the thing to remember is that a bunch of Jesus' disciples were sailors. Well, they were fishermen. And they had grown up on the Lake of Galilee. They knew it like the back of their hand. It was their neighborhood. And so, if anybody's well-equipped to deal with a big, angry, sandy-type storm, it's going to be these guys. But the problem is that by the middle of the night, this is a storm that's just kicking their teeth in. Do you look at verse 24, maybe the next one? Verse 24, it says that they were beaten by the waves. You know what the word beaten means in the original? It means beaten. I hope you came to church for some insight. Yeah? Okay. It means, it means they were getting beat up. It means, the word means tortured, harassed, beat up in a way that causes suffering. That's what the word means. And the point is that these are expert sailors who are getting beating or getting beaten up by this storm, and you gotta feel the sting. Everybody say sting. Sting. It's this stings. You know why? Why does it sting? Because the storm is defeating these sailors in their area of skill in their area of expertise. And let me say it differently. This storm was drowning the disciples' faith in themselves. Now, think with me about this. Um, Most of us would probably agree, I think, that a a healthy degree of self-confidence is a good thing. Yeah? Okay? Um, You can't get too much done if you don't have any self-confidence at all. Yeah? Okay, but there's a danger. Do you know what the danger is? Many of us are tempted to place our deepest trust in our own skill. Yeah? 
And this is especially true if you've experienced a little bit of success in life. You know? Uh, or if you have a little bit of competence, like you've, you've, got, you've just got some skill. And, and what you're tempted to, to say is you're tempted to say, hey, listen, uh, uh, I've got some skill in this area and uh, I can trust myself. I, I can take care of myself. Hey, I can take care of myself. And my competence, my skill, my resources are good enough. I trust me. But here's the problem. If my deepest bedrock confidence is in me, that might sound good from a distance, but it doesn't end well. Do you know why it doesn't end well? Because if my deepest bedrock confidence and faith is in me, then if everything goes great and I'm amazing, I'll know it and I'll end up arrogant. You ever hung out with an arrogant person? You ever been one? Hey, I got everything by my own skill and by my own effort and don't tell me otherwise. And then it, get, it kinda gives you, you get to look down your nose a bit. You know? Uh, you'll end up arrogant. Or, or, what if I fail? What if, what if I try hard, I mean, I try hard, and I fail? Maybe a few times. What am I going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to look at myself in the mirror, and I'm just going to, you're just a worm, I'm going to say to me. And that can lead us on a very dark path. Arrogance or self-hatred is the end game of faith in myself. And that's why this storm is a gift. Why? Because this storm beats the sailors in their area of expertise. This storm denies the disciples the option of relying upon themselves and this storm allows them to experience a degree of failure in their area of greatest competence. Now, next step church, listen, everything in me and maybe in you wants me to believe that I can save myself, that I can sort out my life. But the thing is that one day or another, I'm going to have to come up with the understanding that that's a dangerously naive idea. It won't get me where I need to go. And therefore, listen... Jesus, in his kindness, allows the storms of life to shock me out of my naive thinking. The, Jesus uses the storms of life to persuade me, to show me that I need something bigger than me to save me. And in the moment, does that feel like kindness? Often it feels like cruelty, but I want you to see that it's not. Go back to the story. So it's between three and six in the morning, and the disciples are getting nowhere. And out they look, and what do they see? They see God's goodness chasing after them. Yeah? In other words, Jesus is walking on the water. And they scream. You would too. I would too. I, you, 
you would not scream. I would scream. Anyways, they scream. And Jesus says, verse 27, he says, take heart. Jesus is so kind. Take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. Now, uh, everybody, um, there's a lot going on there when Jesus says that. So I need you to hang with me for just a second, okay? In your minds, go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the thick bit, you know, the front bit of the Bible. And it's like the backstory uh, for Jesus. And if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll find that whenever God's people and the sea are involved in the same story, usually two things are going on. You know what those two things are? Number one, Israel, in other words, God's people, finds out that they cannot save themselves. Number one. And number two, whenever the sea is involved, the Lord breaks in and saves them in a way that they cannot save themselves. So, for instance, do you remember uh, Israel and the Red Sea? Anybody remember that story? So, uh, this happens hundreds of years before Jesus. Israel, the people of God, the whole nation, they're getting chased by the Egyptians who want to enslave them and kill them. Yeah? And so they're running. But what's right in front of them? Anybody remember? The sea. They're at the beach. There, there is a beach, beach side holiday, but it's not going well. And so they've got the army that wants to kill them behind them. They've got a sea in front of them that wants to drown them. What are they going to do? Well, they scream. Well, what does Moses do? Moses, their leader, gets up and he says, ha, ta, 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 ta. No, stop. You just wait and watch how God's going to save you in a way that you cannot save yourself. And then all of a sudden, while the Egyptian army comes behind them, the sea opens up in front of them and they escape. They learn that they can't save themselves and God breaks in and saves them. Yeah? Or do you remember the story of Jonah? Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah and the whale? Same kind of thing? Except Jonah is a guy who's walked with God and then he decides to give up. He decides, ah, it's not working out. I'm running away. And he runs and he thinks he can kind of do a, a geographic thing. Uh, and so he, he tries to move to a different place. So he's, he's sailing across the Mediterranean Sea. Then a storm catches up with him. He gets thrown overboard. Right before he drowns, he gets swallowed by a big fish. It's a bad day. <laughs> but there he is in the middle of the fish. You know, what he, you know what he says he learns? He learns two things. I can't save myself. And this is exactly where, the, where I meet the Lord for real. That in the belly of the fish. Okay, keep all that in your mind and go back to this story because that's what the disciples are learning. They're learning, I can't save myself and that's precisely where the Lord comes and meets them and rescues them. Now, go back to the story. You look at verse 27. You see right there, it's, you see where Jesus says, take heart, it is I. Everybody say, it is I. It is I. In the, in the original language, there's only two words, I am. In the Old Testament again, when the Lord introduces himself to Moses, Moses says, hey, do you have a name? And the Lord says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got a name. Do you, you want to know my name? And he says, I am. That's right, which is a weird name, but just go with it. Now, everybody in the boat knows that story and knows that the Lord's name is I am. And so when Jesus shows up, chasing them down, and he says, don't worry, 
I am is here. And while he's walking on the water, while he's saving Israel from something from which they cannot save themselves, all of that, you put all that together, and what Jesus is saying is, hey, disciples, I'm the God of the Old Testament who's shown up in person, and I'm here to save you. And that's the turning point in this story. That's the turning point. And this is the moment, Next Step Church, when true faith comes, comes into view. Why? Well, look at Peter, verse 28. Next slide. Verse 28, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he walked on the water and he comes to Jesus. I love Peter. Do you love Peter? I love Peter. I named my son Peter. Um, and, and one of the things I love about Peter, um, I used to live in England and in England we would say, he's so cheeky. He's just cheeky. It means, it means he's, he's kind of bonkers, he's bold, that whole thing. And Jesus, and Jesus is up for it. But I want you to look closely because Peter is not walking on water because he has a high degree of self-confidence. And he's not walking on the water because he's just kind of throwing himself into silly. It's not just a leap of faith into something he doesn't know much about. He's walking on the water because he trusts Jesus, very specifically Jesus. Jesus had just said, I am, I am, so don't be afraid. And Peter says, okay, if you say so, let's do it, because I trust you. And that is real faith. Real Christian faith is trust in Jesus because of what Jesus says about Jesus. Now, slow down with me. Let me try to make this clear. Real faith is always trust in Jesus Christ. It is not trust in me. It is not trust in the universe. It's not even a, a kind of trust in a vague, um, nameless God that might be out there. Jesus... Real faith in Jesus is when the God you think might be there gets a name. His name is Jesus. And Christian faith is always zero, like laser focused on the person of Jesus Christ. And the reason that that's so important is this. Faith is only a good thing when the thing you're trusting is reliable. Can I tell you a story? So uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, there's no snow. And so when I grew up, I, I got invited to a friend's house in Minnesota. And I wanted to see a frozen lake, never seen one. And I'd heard that in Minnesota, it gets so cold you could drive a truck on the um, frozen lake. So I figured, I want to walk on a frozen lake. So I got to my friend's house, and he, there was a lake, because there's lakes everywhere in Minnesota. There was a lake next door, and there was ice on the lake. So I go running out on the ice, because I was super excited, and I'm a, kind of a dumb kid from L.A., so I figured, why not? Anyways, in that moment, my faith was very strong. I had a lot of faith in that ice. Guess what? It was not good faith. Because my friend starts yelling at me and he starts saying, Jim, what are you thinking? Get back here. 
because what I didn't know is that like from me to the end of the stage, maybe a little further, there was open water, which meant it wasn't, it wasn't frozen very much, you know? And now, my faith in the ice was real faith. Well, no, it was strong faith, but it was stupid faith because the thing I was trusting wasn't reliable. But then when my friends started saying, hey, Jim, you're, you're being silly, vigorously telling me this, all of a sudden my faith shifted from the ice to my friend. And that was a better faith because my friend was more, more reliable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, faith is only good when the thing you're trusting is reliable. And that's why true Christian faith is always focused on Jesus. But it also explains why Peter sinks. Go back to the story. So Peter walks on the water because when, you, when you're trusting in Jesus, it makes you want to do what Jesus says. Okay? But then it all goes sideways for Peter. Do you remember? He starts to look at the wind and the waves. And in this moment, stay with me, Jesus, who had been the object of his faith, gets eclipsed, hidden from view by the storm. The storm starts to dominate Peter's attention and his heart again. And Jesus, in Peter's brain, starts to recede into the background. And it's a little bit like in this moment, Peter doesn't know who to trust. Do I trust the storm or do I trust Jesus? Who's the strongest character in my story right now? Is it Jesus or is it the storm? Because the storm was really scary. In verse 31, Peter, uh, Jesus talks about doubt. And to doubt, the word means to have two different minds and to not really make sure, know which one to trust. Now, Peter had found out earlier in the night that he couldn't trust himself, that the storm was stronger than him. But now he's got to decide, is Jesus the strongest or is the storm the strongest? And when he believes that Jesus is the strongest, it leads him to obedience and boldness and walking on water. And when the storm is the strongest, it leads him into fear and panic and sinking. And so here's the question, Next Step Church. Who's the strongest character in your story? And one way to do that is to look at what is it that you really fear? What's the thing that when that thing starts happening and you start fearing that thing, anybody here ever been afraid? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a scared guy. I, I, I can get scared really easy. When those things that really start to frighten you start roaring, who do you trust? Do you trust that thing that you fear? Or do you trust Jesus? Jesus wants to take us to a place where even when we're facing that big, frightening, audacious, panic-inducing thing that makes us want to run away to all the things we have gone to in the past to deal with that fear, he wants us to bring us to a place that even when we're in front of that thing, Jesus says, hey, Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Hey, I'm stronger even than the biggest thing that you're scared of. And I love you. Because, you know, that's the big payoff of Christianity. Did you know that? 
you know, the big, big following Jesus is great. Give, gives us meaning in life, gives us community, makes us resilient. We get to go to heaven one day. Lots of good things. But the best thing of all is to be truly embraced by Jesus Christ, to know him and to be known by him. And that's where he wants to take you in every good relationship is built on trust and he wants you to come into that deeper faith and trust in him. And so when life is kicking us in the teeth and when you're sinking beneath the waves, Jesus wants to speak into your life and he says, I am. Keep your eyes on me. And I wonder if you can hear Jesus saying that to you today. Can you hear it? Uh, faith always comes from listening to what Jesus says about himself. And that's how Peter won his fight of faith. So what happens is he's sinking down, he's captivated by the storm, but then as he's sinking, he remembers what Jesus had said. Jesus had said, I am. And Peter says, okay, if that's true, then Lord, save me. You know what Jesus does? Not a, not a hesitation. He reaches his arm into the water and he grabs Peter with a vice grip, with a grip so strong only God can be that strong. And he pulls him up out of the water. And so I want you to see, Next Step Church, how Peter wins the fight of faith. In one way, he doesn't. He didn't have competence to produce faith. You ever been incapable of producing faith in Jesus? You ever been in a situation where you're like, I know I got to have faith, but I don't got it. And I don't know how to make it. Well, if so, Peter's your person. Because Peter cries out to Jesus, not when he's strong in faith, but when he's sinking in doubt. And Jesus reaches out, grabs him, and saves him. And Jesus' whole mission was to reach down and rescue us, not because we've got skills or are competent, but because, not even because we're good at believing, but when we're sinking in catastrophic doubt. You remember when Jesus went up on the cross? You see that cross over there? When Jesus went up on the cross, you know what he was doing? Lots of things but he was reaching down into everything that can destroy us forever. And he was reaching down there and he was experiencing it. And he was reaching down to grab you and to save you from everything that can really destroy you forever. And when he rose again three days after he died, when he rose again, he rose again with authority today to rescue you just like he rescued Peter. And so the question is, do you believe it? And I want to talk to the person who says, I wish I did. Because I bet there's some of us here who says, well, I know I, I know I should, and I kind of wish I did. But if I'm honest, I don't. You know what? Today's the day you get to learn that Jesus is someone who saves you from something you cannot save yourself from. And Jesus wants to give you a faith that you don't, you can't produce. And what it feels like is Jesus reaching down and grabbing you in the midst of your doubt. He loves you.
And for others of us, we're like, yeah, I believe, but you know what? It's a constant battle. It's an everyday battle. It's an everyday battle. And if that's true, well, then, all right. We can't even trust our ability to, to maintain our faith. Even if you've been walking with Jesus a long time, you don't have the capacity to keep walking with Jesus by yourself. But that's why Jesus wants you to live more and more, moment by moment and breath by breath, saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me today. Jesus, you saved me a lot of years ago. Save me again today. Keep saving me. Save me like I breathe. Breathe moment by moment and breath by breath. I am being saved by Jesus. And he's always grabbing me out of the storm. And he's always whispering in my ear, don't worry and take heart because I am is here.